You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. You know, this is an ideal story where if you like copper, but not in the short term, we're perfect because we don't have to shut anything down. You know, by the time we have Arctic ready to go, fixed expect copper prices to rebound and be above $3 again. You know, a lot of these other copper producers are are, are struggling right now because they're dealing with all of their, their operations. Um, we don't have to deal with that right now, and yet we're a good call on me, medium to long-term copper. This is Mining Stock Education, and I am your host, Bill Powers. Thank you for tuning in. Well, as markets are falling and vacillating, going up and down, and people are fixated on the price of the precious metals, we also want to be paying attention to Dr. Copper. Copper has fallen from $2.80 in mid-January to it's about $2.20 per pound, which is not many mines are profitable at that. I believe that's like about the 90th centile based on a recent article on copper that I read. So I reached out to Pat Donnelly. He is the Vice President of Corporate Communications and Development for Trilogy Metals, one of our sponsors. Pat, welcome back to the show. And could you provide us your take on what's going on in the copper market with mines shutting down around the world? Many are speculating, saying there's going to be an economic contraction. What will that do to the price of copper? Please share with us your thoughts here. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, Bill. Yeah, doctor is, uh, or copper, we call it Dr. Copper. Uh, specifically because it's a leading uh, indicator of global economic activity. And so uh, when you see the global economy slow down, uh, it's going to have a significant impact on copper. And specifically, 50% of copper demand is from China. So, and that's the epicenter of this whole virus. Uh, that being said, um, yeah, in the short term, uh, copper is going to be under a lot of pressure. But um, I think it, it, it further supports the mid to long-term case where we're gonna have a shortage of copper and uh, mines are getting deeper, grades are getting lower. And uh, just to maintain production, a lot of these mines are gonna have to put in billions of dollars to sustain capital. Uh, for example, Cadelco, which is the world's largest copper producer and it's owned by the government of Chile in, in South America, uh, they supply about seven or eight percent of the global supply of copper, and uh, they need to put in about four billion dollars a year just to maintain their production. And um, they're also raising a lot of debt. They're not getting any help from the government, and they're raising billions of dollars in debt. And um, that's going to catch up to them. And uh, in the next three four years, uh, we're going to be in a pretty good squeeze. So um, the average copper mine nowadays, you need at least three to four dollar copper. Uh, to go into production and average head grades are about 0.6% uh, copper. So uh, again, I think we're going to be uh, moving into a very nice sweet spot um, for for copper in the next three or four years. Pat, with copper at $2.20 now in some mines in some of these countries like Peru, where they're on care and maintenance for a minimum of 15 days, but it looks like it could be longer do you think that one, when a lot of these copper mines do go on care and maintenance because of the COVID-19 crisis, and now that copper prices are so low, will some of them just continue to remain offline? No, that's a really good question. Um, I've seen this happen before. Um, you got to remember, if you want to shut these mines, often the care and maintenance costs are pretty high. And if you want to shut them permanently, uh, the closure costs are incredibly high. So 
and many and then you also got the social issues where if you're laying off people in some of these countries that could cause problems so i think they'll try to keep them open um historically usually what happens is when we go through a prolonged bear market in metals uh, mining companies have always went after the high grade uh or to 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 keep things open uh, i don't know how much high grade is left but you may see some of these mines remain on care maintenance um but uh, if you got below two dollar copper where they're really bleeding cash i think then you would see some closures there are a lot of uh, economists and commentators that i've listened to recently that are arguing for a deflationary situation and the economic contraction if that occurs and copper stays depressed, uh, not only this year, but let's say the next couple of years uh, because of the economic situation, that essentially will just make the bull market out of that greater, right? It's almost like a coiling effect. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, once you shut these mines down, um, it takes a while to get them back up again. You know, some of them are, you know, some of the biggest mines in the world are, they're mining a couple hundred thousand tons per day. So, uh, you know, these are massive multi-billion dollar operations and and, uh, and maybe they don't get reopened again because of grade. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, um, I think what you're saying uh, makes sense. A lot of the major miners though, they understand uh, the value of copper and then also the need to plan in advance. So we're going through a crisis. Uh, it's big to us when it's up close, but you have a partner in South 32. So they understand the copper projects take a while to develop and come online. What, where's Trilogy at right now with this crisis? Are you scaling back? And do you have any input that you can share with us on what South 32 is thinking? Yeah, well, uh, South 32, they're in very good financial shape. Um, they have a net cash position of, I think, uh, $250 million. Um, they have a line of credit, I think, for over a billion dollars. And uh, They've always been very, very profitable, and uh, they're they're in very strong financial shape. So uh, I'm not too worried about them uh, uh, not weathering the storm. As you recall, um, in last February, uh, we signed um, a joint venture agreement, or they actually completed the formation of a joint venture agreement with South 32. Uh, in which they put $145 million into the joint venture. It's a 50-50 joint venture between Trilogy and South 32. So that $145 million should last us at least three years, and therefore it's business as usual for us. And so out of the 145, uh, 72 and a half million of that is attributable to Trilogy Metals, not to mention we have almost 20 million in cash at the company level as well. So in total, we're, we have about $90 million attributable uh, to Trilogy. So um, it's business as usual for us. Um, this year is a very, very busy year. Um, we just, uh, we're working on a feasibility study for, for Arctic and uh, we're gonna start permitting our Arctic leader this year. I think the only impact, uh, apart from us all working from home right now with the COVID-19 situation is that, um, you know, it may impact our summer field season uh, that usually does not start till June. So if this thing does subside, you know, uh, then uh, we may be able to, to stay on track for the summer field season. Uh, we're looking at currently looking at a number of scenarios uh, for our summer program if this uh, uh, situation continues. But that being said, um, 
you know, I don't think uh, it'll impact our overall timeline. Um, we're busy with the permitting of Arctic. Uh, we're busy with, um, uh, like I said, the feasibility study and uh, the Bureau of Land Management is still making incredible progress uh, for the permitting of the Ambler Road to the Dalton Highway. And you had your final uh, environmental impact statement issued uh, just within the last week. That's correct. Uh, the Bureau of Land Management issued the final environmental impact statement uh, for the Ambler Road uh, that came out last Friday. And uh, that's a critical document. They've been working on that document for like four or five years now. And so we're, we're almost at the, uh, the touchdown line with, with the permitting of the road. As you recall, you know, these assets, the issue has never been about whether they're economic or not. The issue has always been infrastructure. And uh, currently the BLM is permitting a 211 mile road uh, to our project from the Dalton Highway in Alaska. And so now the next steps, um, now that the environmental impact statement is completed, is for the Bureau of Land Management to issue their record of decision and that'll be jointly issued with the 404 wetlands permit, uh, which is issued by the Army Corps of Engineers. And we expect these two documents uh, to be filed uh, in the next 30 to 60 days. So let's say uh, before the end of the second quarter. So those are two huge uh, catalysts uh, for this company. Anything you can share with us uh, publicly on the CEO search? Yeah, we're almost there. Uh, we had um, 12 candidates. And we've whittled it down to two people who are uh, very, very solid uh, candidates. And so hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll have some news on that. So uh, uh, we had some really talented people uh, uh, approach the company, uh, given that um, we have high quality assets in a great jurisdiction. And as I mentioned before, we're well cashed up. The Alaskan government is very favorably disposed towards mining. Any restrictions that they mandated from the state level because of the COVID-19 crisis that would impact the mining industry currently? Uh, it, it, I haven't seen any, I'm not aware of any projects that operations have shut down yet. Um, they, they have reduced uh, uh, people coming into the state from outside the state. And like everywhere else, they've really, really clamped down uh, on, on, on social gatherings. Um, but so far, I'm not aware of any mines being um, uh, shut down. But obviously, like I said before, if this situation continues, it will impact our summer program. Pat, when I spoke with you both at the Sprott Conference last year and then also recently at PDAC, both times you were told me um, you wanted to swallow up the, the trilogy stock because you yes. felt it was undervalued. Can you talk about the valuation? Uh, some investors may say, well, you know, the mine development is, is far out, but what would be the appeal to investors today? Well, yeah, we have been swallowing up shares. Actually, uh, Jim Gowans, our CEO, he's been our interim CEO. Uh, he's been buying stock in the market. Uh, we had a couple of directors been buying stock uh, and I've been accumulating stock and I'm still trying to get some more. Um, and I'm going to keep buying uh, every penny I have, I'm going to put into it. Uh, that being said, yeah, I mean, the short term things are tough. Um, but I think eventually, you know, South 32, they're putting this money into Trilogy because they, I think they believe in the assets and they're going to use this money to de-risk uh, our assets as much as possible. And I think inevitably uh, they will pull the trigger and, and take out the company altogether. And uh, one question I often get is given, you know, our share prices pull back, 
uh, do we feel vulnerable? Uh, fortunately, I'd say about 60 to 70% of our shareholders are friendly and uh, they have a very high target price for what they want and they see the value in these assets. So uh, in particular, our top three shareholders have been in the story since the beginning, uh, Paulson, Bowpost and, and Electrum, and they collectively own uh, you know, 40% of our stock. Uh, they're not gonna give this thing away. And like I said, there's no other assets in the world that have the quality and the grade what we do. And matter of fact, there's very few good copper assets out there. So I think eventually uh, we will be taken out. And um, you know, the last few acquisitions of quality copper assets have always gone for a good premium, as a premium over their tr uh, share price and a premium over their NAV. So uh, I don't expect, regardless of the market situation, uh, we're still running out of copper and specifically uh, we're running out of high grade copper. Yeah, you're one of the best plays on high grade copper. And as you mentioned, for three years, investors don't need to worry about any dilution. Yeah, we don't, we don't have, there's no reason for us to raise money. Uh, at the corporate level, there's only about a half a dozen of us in the office and our technical people have moved on over to the joint venture. And uh, we have more than enough money in the joint venture to get Arctic all the way up to a construction decision. And not only that, but also do work on the rest of the belt. Um, remember, it's a 70 mile belt and uh, has dozens of prospects and historical resources. So, um, you know, we have our, we also have Bornite, which we uh, will do a little, little bit of work at this year. So, as I said before, we own not just a mine, but or potential mine, but also an entire mining district uh that's that could be in production for decades yeah and i'll also point out that i don't have that your chart in front of me but i believe you know nine months ago your share price was over double what it is today so that's just how you're triple triple <laughs> <laughs> okay triple and so the only pushback of expected catalysts for this year really would be that uh, the exploration season then. Is that what investors should expect? It could be impacted by what's going on in Alaska. And we're looking at a number of scenarios, uh, how to address that. But that being said, you know, this is an ideal story where, you know, if you like copper, but not in the short term, we're perfect because we don't have to shut anything down. Um, you know, by the time we have Arctic ready to go, uh, I'd expect copper prices to rebound and be above $3 again. Um, so you're seeing, you know, a lot of these other copper producers are, are, are struggling right now because they're dealing with all their, their operations. Uh, we don't have to deal with that right now. And yet we're a good call on me, medium to long-term copper. Yes. And the website is trilogymetals.com and you can find it on the big boards in New York or Toronto under the ticker TMQ. Pat, I appreciate you coming on the show. Any any final thoughts as we conclude here? Uh, like I said, I think the main thing is, you know, we're in a great jurisdiction, great relationship with, with the native corporation, NANA, great relationship with, with uh, South 32. Uh, the other thing I should mention is, uh, um, you know, the reason we have great support from Alaska is because uh, Alaska, most of Alaska's tax revenues come from oil and gas. And we've seen oil getting hammered. And not only that, the tourism industry is a big contributor to the economy and fishing. And those are the other two sectors in Alaska that are getting hammered. And that's motivated the government to diversify away the economy. And that's why we have this tremendous support for the road and tremendous support for assets. So uh, uh, we're in a very, very strong situation. And again, as I mentioned before, uh, compelling value 
and we don't need to raise money. Pat, thanks for coming on Money Stock Education today. I appreciate it. Anytime, Bill. Thanks for having us on. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks concomitant with that if you don't do the work or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too i just started to study up on mining stocks and i just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really you could do really really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.